Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, July 26th, 2022. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon here to share an author interview and, of course, to talk about the week's new releases. So today's interview is one that Natalia assisted with, and we were super excited to talk to Julie Garwood. If you are a romance fan, you are familiar with Garwood's writing, either for her historicals or for her um, contemporary romantic suspense. But whatever she writes, she writes it fantastically, and we were so excited to talk to her. So stay tuned for that interview in just a moment. So let's get started with the housekeeping information then a Julie Garwood interview, and then I'll be back to chat with you about new releases. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast this is Shannon. I have Natalia here with me for a momentous day in the world of Book Bistro because we are here with romance icon Julie Garwood. I, I don't even like know what to say about that, but it's true. <laughs> and we are here to chat about her upcoming novel, Grace Under Fire, which is the latest in her Buchanan Renard series. It is coming out here in the U.S. on July 19th. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. We are had, so honored to have you. Yes, we are. <laughs> I, I, was, I had to smile when you said icon. I can't imagine. That's a sweet <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> It's it's true. I remember reading like some of the early historicals back, you know, when I was a teenager, probably much too young to actually read them. <laughs> um, yes, I, I think I was like 16 when I read Heartbreaker or 15. Oh, Heartbreaker. I think Killjoy. Killjoy was my, actually the first book by you that I read. Oh, that was a fun ride. You did start from the beginning. <laughs> I know it was back when you couldn't actually see the order Goodreads and like obsess about that kind of thing. And then when I found out that there were books before Killjoy that I missed, of course, I went back to the beginning and I reread everything in order. Uh, That's nice. (laughs) Yes. So can we kind of kick this off with an introduction to Grace Under Fire so that 
listeners can have a little bit of an idea what to expect in this latest novel. Oh, I love Grace. She's an interesting character. Uh, her full name is Grace Isabel McKenna, and uh, her mother called her Mc- Isabel for years, And uh, but her legal name is Grace. Uh, she has inherited land in Scotland, and there's a big family reunion that her sister is part of because she's married a Buchanan on Nathan's Bay, and Isabel has been invited, and then after the big celebration, it's an anniversary deal, she's going to fly to Scotland and look over um, the inheritance and sign the papers, and it isn't until later uh, that she realizes there are a lot of people who don't want her to have that land and will go to any means to stop her. Michael Buchanan is an ex-Navy SEAL. Um, He is uh, an attorney and very disciplined, as a Navy SEAL would be. Um, And and she isn't, so he doesn't really know what to make of her. They uh, end up going um, on this journey together, and fall in love along the way. And that's about ah, it. Yes. I can't believe we're finally getting Michael's book. I'm so excited. Uh, he's fun. I like writing men who think they know everything and, you know, it's all very rigid and just really messing with them. So that's what I did with uh, Medieval's I wrote. And, uh, I continue to do it with uh, contemporaries. Strange, huh? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Now that you mentioned contemporaries, I'm curious, you know, when you released uh, your first contemporary in 2000, did you ever imagine that the series would grow as much as it has or expand as to what it is today? No, I really didn't. I just, I come from a big family, and I get asked, uh, a lot, how do you keep them straight? Well, how do I keep my own sisters? You know what I mean? Right. I uh, I know them all, and uh, it's hard. I think it would be difficult for me to write um, about a person who's the only one in a family or an orphan who doesn't interact with a large family. I just like knowing what everybody's thinking and doing. Yeah. Kind of a busy buddy that way. <laughs> I, so how big is your family? Uh, I only had seven. One boy and six girls. Wow. That's, that's My husband is one of seven. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Christmas is, uh, is quite an ordeal. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and the noise. I learned early. We studied around the dining room table because that's where mom would make sure we were studying. And I learned to block out noise early in order to concentrate. And now yes. I can't work unless there's a lot of noise. So I always put <coughs> the television on, and it's pretty much blaring. And I'm able to do what I want, you know. Uh, I'm in the book then. 
I don't ever want to learn to write with silence because you can't control that. Noise right. in my house, I can control. So That's true. Yeah. yeah control is important. And, uh, go ahead. Well, just in case our listeners were not aware, uh, as far as your writing, you did start writing historical romances. I have to say, uh, the wedding is probably my favorite. Um, oh. oh no, Guardian Angel and For the Roses and Prince Charming and oh, Wait, well, the, the, I mean, I think the wedding was probably the first historical I read because I read all the contemporaries and I was like, oh, there's more. You know, I was actually recommended Julie Garwood by my dentist. <laughs> So um, when I let her know that I interviewed you, she is going to be so thrilled. Yes, because I I told her that I read Sandra Brown and Nora Roberts. It's like, oh, well, if you like them, you're going to love Julie Garwood. Go read her now. (laughs) This is like when I got my this is when I got my wisdom teeth removed. And I I was, you know, she's like, you're going to be pretty down for the count. So why don't you read some Julie Garwood? And um, okay. Yeah, and then I found out that you had historicals. So my question is, how? What made you change from his? What, what made you explore the contemporary romantic suspense genre? Well, this is. I started. Uh, I've always written as a kid. I would write little stories and all. Um, I didn't learn to read until late. I was eleven, and. Um, uh, once I learned how to read, I always read, and I yes. liked to make up stories in my head. And I would okay. get in so much trouble daydreaming in class, but um, uh, I thought it would be fun. I went back to college and was going part-time, and I sitting into my schedule for a four-year RN, was I had to take um, a history class, and I didn't like history in high school. And I thought, yuck. Well, the only <laughs> thing about was Russian history uh, that fit my schedule, so I thought, okay, I'll do it. I loved oh. it. Loved it because the professor was awesome and just kind of brought it all the, you know, uh, you could see it and the little. She would end every class with little minutiae facts about different ones and these czars, and it fascinated me. So I thought, well, I'll just take one more class, and it turned out to be ancient and medieval history, and she taught it, and that had me hooked because I loved uh, feudalism. I loved the fact that everyone had a place from right. the moment were born until they died, and I thought, what would it be like if someone didn't quite fit? So I decided, just for fun one night, to get a knight ready to go into battle. And I thought, go off and write. Don't I won't describe him, but I will describe him. By that I mean um, I would show his strength by... It took two servants to carry his shield to him, and he lifts it with, you know, one finger. And uh, he has, the servant has to stand on a stool to put his helmet on this knight because he's so tall. And I thought, oh, this is so silly, you know, that I'm doing this. Well, anyway, 
I finally got the guy all ready to go into battle. And then I thought, now what? He's all dressed and nowhere to go. And that's when I decided to give him Elizabeth and uh, mess with him. And that was the book I titled The Warrior. And they, uh, the publisher said the title was Gentle Warrior. They yes, I Title then. And they bought it, and I was so surprised. And so they, um, I wrote another one. And I was still taking classes and, you know, working. Uh, my routine, I would get up between 4 and 4.15 every morning, the second, and I would work until 7. Sounds like my life. <laughs> and I would get the kids up, get dressed, take them to school, and go to work. And, uh, yeah, I sound like a robot. This, this, You get used to it. You and, do. You end up feeling uh, like a robot some days, but, yeah, you do get used to it. And I didn't tell anyone I was doing this. I wrote two books at the same time. I wrote oh, wow. and I wrote a kid's story. I didn't understand or know categories like romantic suspense or YA, none of that. Uh, my son Jerry was four years old and um, was wanting to ride his big wheel. So I right. would, of course, have to be out there with him, and I would sit on the steps, and he would ride from the uh, driveway next door to the corner and back. And uh, at the same time, this neighbor had welcomed their grandmother into their family to live with them. And she would walk. She was very frail, but she would walk to the corner and walk back for exercise. And one day... Um, she happened to be out when Jerry was riding, and I thought, oh, dear God, he's going to run over her. But she got to the corner and just stood there. And Jerry got off his big wheel and went over to her and took her hand and walked her home. And oh. then he ran over to me and said, Grandma forgot where she lived, but I remembered. And wow. I, that stayed with I mean, he was very proud of that. And... um you know, I started thinking, what would it be like if a grandmother or a grandfather moved in with the family, and how would it affect the dynamic and all that? Well, the one who would be most affected, to me, would be a young teenage girl. So I put the story in a 13-year-old viewpoint, um, and it's a fun story. I... Um, um, I loved this grandfather, and I loved her. But it's, you know, a cute uh, story about her uh, falling in love for the very first time with a boy. And um, anyway, it was called A Girl Named Summer. Oh, and yes. I, you know that one? I do. I've seen it. I have not read it, but I've seen it. Well, it went, uh, the agent... Uh, and I'll tell you how I met her in a minute. She said, I don't usually sell kid stuff, but send it to me and I'll see what I can do. Well, she called me and said, I love this story. I'm sending it to Scholastic. Well, Scholastic turned it down. Oh. Said, kids don't want to They do read. that. <laughs> huh? 
<laughs> they do that. Yeah, well, they, she said, uh, kids don't want to read about old people. And so my agent said, okay, we're going to send it to, and I can't remember where. And uh, a couple of days later, that same editor from Scholastic called and said, uh, nobody's going to read this book, but I can't get the story out of my mind. So I'm buying it, which is really cool. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> It did very well for them, they said, and that made me happy. Um, So I uh, had these two books and um, or manuscripts. I didn't know it was a YA. I didn't know it was a historical. They were just stories. And there was a conference at Avila College. I couldn't afford to go to it at the time, but a friend of mine had invited the agent uh, to her house for a, you know, tea or whatever. And she invited me, which was very sweet. And all the published authors were kind of like a cubby around her. And uh, I just listened. I was fascinated by all of it. But as she was leaving, she came over to me and said, I haven't met you. I was like the wallflower. And I... <laughs> told her who I was, and she said, what have you written? And I said, well, I read a love story, but there's a catch. It takes place in 1086. And she said, that's called a historical romance, and uh, send it to me. And I told her about the children's book, and she said, that's called a YA. And I know she was a big dork, because I didn't know any of it, but... I was very, very lucky she was able to sell both. And I just kept writing historicals, which was fun for me. So then years went by, and you eventually kind of shifted. Well, I didn't do it on purpose. Um, I love, I'm a history major. I love history and telling stories and different, you know, I've done Regency and I've done... uh, medieval because those are my favorite periods but there was this one story um i had gone to london with and i took my sister an older sister cookie that's what we called her her name was mary collette but anyway she's very religious and she said she really wanted to go she'd never gone anywhere but she had to go to church every day she had to go to mass and So I said, okay, we'll find a place or whatever. So we were so excited on the plane, we couldn't sleep. And by the time we got to the hotel, we were both kind of punchy. And the concierge said, yes, there's a church uh, about a mile away or whatever, and uh, they do have a service. So we jump in the cab, we go. And we're sitting there, and the priest, I shouldn't laugh, looked like the guy, the actor in Sisterhood. I mean, he looked just like him. And he started giving this sermon, and uh, he it was about the prodigal son. And when he got to what I call the punchline, you know, or the lesson uh, of the story, he just stopped. And then he said, but I know you know. And the congregation, they were all nodding. Then he told another story, 
and got to the lesson to be learned, stopped, and I'm not making this up, she said, but I know, you know, I know, you know. And I couldn't resist. I leaned over to Cookie and said, I don't know. And with that, she laughed. And yeah, got mad at me. And (laughs) she went with me the rest of the, I thought it was funny. But she moved to another pew. And (laughs) I am seriously (laughs) sitting there in the back. And I look over and there's a confessional. And with this real thick red velvet uh, drape that you pull back to go in and, uh, you know, to tell your sins. And I started thinking, boy, what they must have heard. And then I thought, what if, and then I saw it. I just uh, saw this um, man saying, bless me, Father, for I will sin and telling him what he's going to do. And my God, I was, love it. That yes. was the opening to it, uh, to Heartbreaker. I wanted to put it in a historical setting, but it wouldn't work. It had to be contemporary. Right. And that right. was the Buchanan's. So that's what I did. So do you I, have... Uh, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just, uh, you know, I'm... I fought it for a while, but now I like contemporary. I like both. So do you Which have I, a favorite book that you've written or a favorite character? The, uh, it's, this is a cop-out, but it's true. Once I start a new book, those are my favorite characters. <laughs> and, uh, because I get into it, you know, and, and uh, so right now um, – I'm writing another contemporary. It's a romantic suspense. And uh, the opening lines always determine for me what it's about. Um, And I always see one scene in my head, and I know the book from that. Isn't that odd? It is odd, I guess. I don't know. I've heard people say that, that they see a scene or sometimes they see a character. Yeah, mine is just always a scene, and from that I know the story. Um, it's uh, with Isabel or Grace. It's uh, she had a hundred things to do today. Killing someone wasn't one of them. Ooh, and well, the opening, that's a great uh, opening line. What a great uh, opening line! Really good oh. opening line. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, twisted, huh? <laughs> yeah, very uh, Yeah. Well, I'm into the new one now, and I never have a title until I'm in the book and it's there, you know. Uh, well, that makes I sense. That title. So I've okay. been a romance reader since like the mid 90s, and I've seen a lot of changes in the genre, like as a reader. But I'm wondering how you, as a writer, have seen the genre evolve. Well, here's what's interesting, I think. I went to my first conference after um, I had sold both books. And, I, you know, there were a lot of different editors there and authors I admired I wanted to meet. 
and hear speak. And I was told uh, humor is, you never put humor in the historical. That's, that's, you just can't do it. Well, there's a lot of humor in Gentle Warrior. And uh, they also, I heard, uh, YAs are dead, nobody's buying them, and mine had already sold. And I thought, would I have written those stories if I had heard that again and again at the conference? And the answer is yes, I would have. The story oh. is the story. It doesn't matter um, if you're a writer. You, I don't chase a trend. I write the story that comes to me. And oh. uh, I don't know. It's just that's the way it is. But it was enlightening, to say the least, uh, to hear that back then. Now, um, there have been a lot of changes, and um, the pandemic has really made a difference, I think, in uh, printing, you know, paper. Is oh, my gosh, yes. Even uh, crazy things, you know. But um, I'll still write. Somebody said to me, what if you never sold? And I, I'll still write. I uh, don't like not writing. You know what I mean? Yes. I can't imagine what if it's you like never sold. Air. Like, it's like air for you. You have to do it. Yeah, I can go, um, you know, for a while, but my mind doesn't quiet. Some of the best places to... Um, uh, lot is at sporting events. I had really kids and they were all in things and um, baseball, basketball, soccer, football. That was a biggie. Uh, right. I, my youngest was a football player at an all boys high school, and I will never forget. He came home one night and said, "Mom." They've moved me up. I'm varsity, and he was very young. I think it was it was unheard of because he was a freshman, uh, and he was the new punt returner. And I thought, well, look at that nice, not having a clue what a punt returner was. And I right. or thinking, what happened to the old punt returner, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm in the stands, and I'm thinking about, I can't remember what book I was in my head um, thinking about, but all of a sudden I got nudged and uh, uh, the lady said, a friend of mine said, she, Jerry's out there. And I look and he's at the end of one of the field and he's tiny in my mind. And there are like 20 gorillas, it seems. <laughs> 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 and I, he caught the ball and ran, and I thought, oh, my God. And I remember <laughs> jumping up and yelling, run out of bounds, run out of bounds. I thought, oh, God. But um, he made it. He he uh, was a good little player. I was very happy when he went to college and wasn't a football player. Um, <laughs> I was so, uh, but that's where, you know, you would sit and T-ball and baseball, I can't tell you, uh, that would go on for hours. And uh, 
So, you know, to uh, to cheer them on. And I did. I'm not saying that T-ball was very boring. (laughs) Yes, it would be. Well, Natalia, you know what to do when your boys get old enough to play sports. Kitty, they already have the T-ball set outside. (laughs) Every afternoon, it's T-ball outside. And I just sit there and... Uh, read a book. <laughs> oh, yeah. so you could you could write one. I should write yeah. one. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I remember going to all my brother's games, and uh, you know, watching them from the car because in Miami it is so hot, so that sometimes it was just better for us to park and open the car up by the field. Oh, and then you could just like sit there, have the AC, and be able to watch the game so that we wouldn't like literally just like combust uh, and uh yeah well, I, I know and they know if you uh are not paying attention they, they do hear, yeah they uh, do know. able to yell good eye or good sexy. you know you gotta cheer them on when they're up and, yeah yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's so, it's true yeah but um well, i want to Thank you so incredibly much. We are um, running short on time, unfortunately, but I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us. This is an amazing experience that when I started this podcast four years ago, I never, ever thought I'd have. It's very true. That's lovely. And I love that you do this. I do. Uh, you're very, both of you are very easy to talk to. Oh, thank and you. Thank you. Makes it nice, you know. I um, like talking to a friend. Thank can you, you let us know the best place uh, listeners can find you online? Online? Uh, yes. On my website, juliegarwood.com. And Perfect. No, I'm other places right now. I'm drawing a blank, which is, I don't know. Um, That's I, okay. I, I name it. That's okay. Up. Maybe that just means you're writing more <laughs> instead of social media. And I'm, instead I'm good, of I'm hanging out on that. social media. I'm fine with uh, that. <laughs> again, this has been a discussion with author Julie Garwood about her latest novel, Grace Under Fire, and this releases in the U.S. on July 19th. Yes. Okay. So we have new releases. If you listened to our um, most anticipated releases of July episode, you will be familiar with some of the things that I'll be talking about here. I'm going to start with some books you've heard us talk about before. As I said, Natalia is looking forward to In the Middle of Hickory Lane by Heather Weber. Stacy also really enjoys Heather Weber. I need to read her. All of her books look really good to me, and I keep intending to pick them up, and then I get distracted. Sarah mentioned Bayou Sweetheart, which is the fifth book in Lexi Blake's Butterfly Bayou series. This is a contemporary romance series. Stacy is very excited for the new Aaron LaRosa book, and this is For Butter or Worse, and this is a contemporary food-themed romance, 
and it looks amazing. So those are some books that you've heard us talk about before. Now I'm moving on to some things that we haven't previously mentioned. So first up, we have Some of It Was Real. This is by Nan Fisher. It is about a psychic and a journalist who are brought together as they're trying to uncover secrets from their past. This could be like romantic suspense. It could be a straight up mystery. Interestingly, I've seen it marketed as just kind of general fiction. So I'm not sure how that works exactly. But this is Some of It Was Real by Nan Fisher. I'm moving along to another book that is marketed as general fiction, and this is A Hundred Other Girls by Iman Haririkaya, and this one is about a woman who's got this job, and she kind of likes it, but kind of not, like it's not where she really sees herself, but she needs to keep it, you know, it's what's kind of keeping her afloat. And so how does she keep it? How does she separate herself from the hundred other girls? Um, and I'm not sure if this is like a literal hundred or a metaphorical hundred that are ready to take this job from her. So this is a hundred other girls by Iman Hererikaya. The audio for this is um, not out until August 9th. So if you want it in ebook or print, you can get it this week. Otherwise, you still unfortunately have to wait a little bit. Okay. We then have Sugar and Salt. This is Bella Vista Chronicles, book four by Susan Wiggs. And Susan Wiggs has written like so, so many books. Um, Everything from like historical fiction to contemporary romance to a little bit of like romantic suspense kind of thrown in. Um, Stacy and Sarah have enjoyed quite a few of her books, um, but this one is another kind of food themed book, which I really like. And many of us on the podcast actually are drawn to food books. So this one is Sugar and Salt, Bella Vista Chronicles, book four by Susan Wiggs. Moving on to some fantasy, we have A Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Foz Meadows. This is a fantasy romance, and it is about a diplomatic mission that is put in jeopardy when our protagonist, when it's discovered that he prefers men to women. So now, instead of dating and hopefully marrying this person that he was supposed to, he's, you know, looking at this man and trying to figure out if there's a way to like make this work without letting down his country. So this is a lot of magic, a lot of political intrigue, and some romance. I am definitely looking forward to this one. It's A Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Foz Meadows. We also have Witch and Famous. This is the second book in the Witch Way Library, I'm sorry, the third book in the Witch Way Library series by Angela M. Sanders. It is about a librarian who witnessed some corruption within the Library of Congress and ended up needing to enter like witness protection. And so now she is a small town librarian in this little place in Oregon. And there's lots of magic 
and hijinks that ensue. I've read the first couple books in this series, and I'm very excited for the third one. So this is Witch and Famous, Which Way Library Mysteries, book three by Angela M. Sanders. We also have Violet Made of Thorns, Violet Made of Thorns, book one by Gina Chen. This is YA fantasy about a seer, um, and she is influencing the court as seers are wont to do. The problem is she is not honest. Now, whether she's dishonest on purpose or whether her visions are not accurate, I'm not sure which it is, um, but somehow she has been leading the court astray. And what will happen when people find this out? This is Violet Made of Thorns, Violet Made of Thorns, book one by Gina Chen. Moving on to some romance, we have Misfit. This is Prep, book one by L. Kennedy. These are new adult romances. Um, Kennedy writes a lot of things set on college campuses. I'm guessing this is not much different. Um, Natalia really likes her and I think has talked about her before on um, several episodes when she had books coming out. Um, but this is a new series. So this is Misfit Prep Book One by L. Kennedy. We also have Not Again. This is K-N-O-T again. Real Men Knit Book Two by Quana Jackson. Real Men Knit came out in 2020 um, and it is about a group of men. They were foster brothers and they are working hard to save the knitting shop of the woman who, who raised them. And this is set in Harlem. Um, Stacy read this and really loved it. Um, I have it here and I'm very excited for the new one. And this one is Not Again, Real Men Knit, book two by Quana Jackson. If you like your historicals, or if you like your romance historical, I have a couple for you today. We have The Return of the Duke. This is Once Upon a Dukedom, book three by Lorraine Heath. Lorraine Heath is one of those authors who does historicals so well, no matter what era, what setting. She's done Western romances. She's done like Regency romances. Um, she has done a series where she kind of like flips fairy tales on their heads with, with some of the romance tropes. And she's just incredibly, incredibly excellent. Um, she's been writing for quite a while and I've been a fan of hers since probably the late nineties. But this one is The Return of the Duke. It's Once Upon a Dukedom, book three by Lorraine Heath. We also have The Rake's Daughter. This is Brides of Bel Air Gardens, book two by Anne Gracie. And Anne Gracie is a historical romance author who doesn't really get as much attention as I think she deserves. She writes these very smart, sexy romances that do a great job of showing history as, you know, it, it could have been, might have been, without making it feel as though 
you're reading about like modern characters just dressed in historical styles. Um, it's kind of a, a difficult balance to find. And I think Gracie does it really well, kind of appealing to the things that we love about historical romance, while also kind of giving nods to some of the things that we wish, you know, could have been different. So this is The Rake's Daughter, Brides of Bel Air Gardens, book two by Anne Gracie. And I'm going to end today with some mysteries. Um, Point Last Scene by Christina Dodd is out this week. This looks to be a standalone. Um, and I can't tell if we're going to do romantic suspense or just like straight on thriller here. But this is about a woman who is pulled from the surf and she has bruises all around her throat and she doesn't remember like what happened to her and i'm not sure if this is like a full amnesia plot where she doesn't know who she is or where she belongs um or if it's just that she doesn't remember the time like leading up to her injury um, and so now she's trying to figure out what happened and apparently danger will ensue this is point last scene by christina dodd we also have the Last to Vanish. This is by Megan Miranda. And this looks to be a bit of a departure from Miranda because if it's compared to things like um, We Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Um, so it's, it's a thriller, but it also has horror elements. And I don't know if I'm here for this. This is, horror is tricky for me. Some of it I can get into and some of it I can't but if you are braver than I am you might want to give it a try it's the last to vanish by Megan Miranda we also have the new neighbor this is by Karen Cleveland this is about a family that moved into this neighborhood and people begin to think that this these people might have ties to the CIA. I'm not sure like how they figure this, but apparently they do. And if you want to find out if it's true, you'll have to pick it up. This is The New Neighbor by Karen Cleveland. And last up, we have The Other Guest. This is the second novel by Helen Cooper. Um, our heroine is trying to figure out what happened to her niece who vanished under very suspicious circumstances near her family's resort. And now in the present, like, you know, she's seeing parallels to her niece's disappearance and this other like missing girl that has just been discovered. So this is The Other Guest and it's by Helen Cooper. And that, my friends, is all I have for you this week. I hope you are staying cool if you are in parts of the U.S. enduring um, extreme heat. I hope everyone is staying safe and well and, of course, reading lots of great books.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.